I'll be reading in the NLT version. It says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River and into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Amen. We are, as Pastor Joplin said, we are going through a series called From Genesis to Revelation, God's Plan at Work. And today we're going to be looking at the book of Joshua, and we're going to be talking about how God continued his plan, his his plan, his desire for mankind through covenant, through the promise, through uh, the agreement that he made to us um, as as humanity. <clears throat> um, so God makes this this covenant with with Moses. Um, the book of Joshua starts out with the children of Israel um, coming fresh out of slavery. Um, they were just getting off of an 11 day trip that took them 40 years to complete. And they, they've come out of the wilderness. Um, they've, they've lost an entire generation. Um, Moses is gone. Um, they've left the home, the only home that they've known. Um, they, they are coming into a new place. They're struggling with, with challenges of, of fear, of doubt. Um, there were instances of disobedience, um, but then there's also the the fact that they were having to assimilate to this new place, this new um, area that they were going to be going into. Um, but all the while, God is with them. God is saying, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. God's reminding them of the covenant that they have with him. Um, and that and that's where the book of Joshua begins. Um one of the things that that we should know um, whenever we're considering God's plan, whenever we're thinking about um, his desires for us is that it's going to be important for us to trust God. Um, when the Israelites left, they didn't have all the details. They didn't know how it was going to work out. They didn't know what God was going to use to help them to achieve the things that he told them would happen. Um, a lot of it had to be them trusting God and and God showing them and, and providing the way. Um, and, and the same goes for us. When we're trusting God, when we're looking at his plan for us, when we're not just focusing on, on today, but on our future, on how we connect with God from the beginning to now to eternity, um, part of it involves us trusting him. And so I want us to just keep that in mind. Um, when we're looking at God's plan for us, when we're trying to understand what he wants us to do, where he wants us to go, how he wants us to live. Um, it requires us to trust him. Um, <clears throat> oftentimes when I was growing up, my dad would, would call my brothers and I and he said, hey, y'all, get your shoes, get ready to go. We're going to go somewhere. 
Um, sometimes he would tell us, you know, where we were going. Sometimes we would say, hey, you know, what's going on? Where are we going? Do we need to bring our uh, phone chargers? Uh, how long are we going to be there? When are we coming back? And sometimes he would look at us and he would say, just roll with me. I can't give you all the details. I just need you to roll with me. Um, and, and that's what God is, expects us to do as well. Um, it required us to be obedient. Um, it required us to trust him. And the same thing went for the children of Israel. Um, God says, hey, leave Egypt. Um, come with me. I'm going to provide a place for you. Um, they didn't know what it was going to look like, how it was going to be, how it was going to work out. But they had to trust God. So let's look at how God works through his covenant. We're talking about God's plan from Genesis to Revelation. And today we're going to look at how God works through his covenant. Um, in the book of Joshua, it's a really good read if you ever want to get a chance. Uh, just really good um, stuff on leadership, on life, on obedience to God, on what it looks like to live for him. Uh, so if you get a chance, take a look at that and read it. Um, the first thing I want us to understand about God working through his covenant is that God gives us victory over our enemies. Uh, the first 12 to 13 chapters of the book of Joshua is just filled with God, um, like chapter by chapter, going through and, and telling them, hey, you're going to defeat these people. This nation is going to be uh, removed by you. This king, this leader, this land is going to be claimed as yours. So don't worry about who's there. Don't worry about how many there are. Don't worry how powerful they are. This land is going to be for you. Um, so naturally going into a place that wasn't yours, going into houses that you didn't build, uh, it's going to cause some tension. So these are just these are already enemies of, of Israel. But when Israel came in and they were like, hey, God told me that's going to be my land, um, that house you're living in. God said, I'm going to live there. Um, you can understand why they were opposed to the Israelites coming in and being a part of that land. But um, so the, the, the book of Joshua starts out and God sends them to scout out the land. He tells them, hey, go check out what's there. Uh, bring back a report to the camp. Um, and for us, it's important to understand our enemy as well. It's important that we know um, our, our enemy's tendencies. We know where they're going to attack us at, um, how they like to use their mode of operation. Um, but also it's important um, if we have enemies, which all of us do, um, to understand where our weaknesses are. Where is the enemy going to attack me? Uh, what are my weaknesses? Um, how are they going to use my past, my hurts, my fears, my hesitations to attack me, to attack my family, my my peace of mind, my my business, my relationships? Um, if we don't know what our weaknesses are, I guarantee you that our enemy does. And so it's important that we understand where we're weak, but also how the enemy operates. Um, the enemy doesn't come to us when we're strong. He doesn't come to us when we're in fellowship. Um, the enemy is just like that roaring lion that the scripture talks about. He looks for the, the prey that's separated from the herd. He looks for those who are trying to live life by themselves, who feel like I can't really share the, the deep stuff of what I'm going through. Um, and, and that's how he gets us. So my, my question for us is, how familiar are you with, with your enemy? Um, do you know um, the times that are easiest for you to be attacked? Uh, for me, I know... When I'm tired, when I'm 
frustrated, when I'm dealing with things that, that cause me to have anger or fear, uh, those are times that I know I'm going to be attacked by the enemy. Um, so we have to scout out our enemy. We have to know how they're operating, what they're doing, what they're trying to take, what they're trying to take from us. Um, but not only does he do that, um, if you go on to chapter four, they, they've had some some success. Uh, things have started to go their way and they stop in chapter four and they build an altar to the Lord. Um, they, it talks about they were uh, memorials or, or altars of remembrance. Um, and so for us, it's important that in the midst of our battles, in the midst of fighting against our enemy, that we take time to continue to worship the Lord, um, to continue to pray, um, to continue to come to church. Um, sometimes it seems like when, when things really get heavy in our lives, uh, we don't have time for God. We don't have time to pray. We don't have time to, to spend time worshiping or, or fellowshipping with others. But but they took time in the midst of their battles to take an offering, or to, to build an altar and, and send up an offering to the Lord. Um, they wanted to give God thanks, but they also wanted it to be a place that they remembered that in this spot, this is where God defeated this nation. This is where God defeated this enemy. And they wanted to always remember that because of um, the importance of what that meant for them. So one by one, God removes the enemies. He, he takes out these kings, uh, these nations. He clears out these lands that are great, um, fertile lands that are good for planting crops, like the desirable lands. This wasn't like, hey, you know, go over there where nothing grows and there's weeds and, and wild animals. Uh, this was, you know, very desirable. land. People are already living there. Um, <clears throat> God gives them victory um, one after another. He just goes down and he clears out land for this tribe. He gives this tribe this land. He gives this tribe that land. Um, and all the while they're fighting against these enemies, God is continuing to give them victory. Um, in our lives, we have things that we fight against every day, too. Um, as the church, the, the big, the local church, um, the universal church, um, we fight against those who would demean our faith, um, against those who are always looking to criticize, um, and say what the church is not doing, what the church should be doing, um, how the church is, is hypocritical, how the church is not what they say they are. Um, we fight against those who would, um, lead others astray, would, would, would try and tell others there's another way to salvation or happiness or fulfillment in life. <clears throat> um, as a people, as a culture, um, we are constantly fighting and demanding that our lives matter. Um, we're fighting injustice as a people. Uh, we're fighting under education, food deserts, poverty, Redlining, abandonment. Um, as a city of, of Memphis, um, as we just talked about earlier, we, we are constantly fighting as a city in Memphis of the perception of, of this being a crime-ridden place, of this being a place that's no good, that nobody should live there, you should move away. Um, even, in, in my opinion, even the, the term West Tennessee sometimes seems to have a, a, a bigger connotation than just the geographical location of, of where we are in the state. Um, you know, we just this week, we dealt with um, a day where there was 
so much violence and, and senseless killing that it made the national news. Um, and, and, and yet, you know, all of the good that happens in the city, all the ministry that takes place, all of the life change that happens, um, none of that makes the news. It's always the things that tend to, to shine a bad light on our city. Uh, but then as individuals, we're fighting battles as well. Um, sometimes our own thoughts, our own perceptions of ourselves, of our lives, of our situations, um, depression, anxiety, um, feelings of, of worthlessness or fear or even pride that constantly fight against what the truth of God's word says. Uh, we're, we're fighting enemies on all these fronts, but God shows us through his covenant that even in all of these situations, he still gives us victory. Um, he gives us victory and he asks us to continue to trust him. Um, how do we know that we've received victory? Um, this is how we can know we have received victory. When the things that were a threat to us have been removed, that's a victory. Um, these people, they, they moved into these lands and God cleared out all the people that would have caused them problems. Um, but also things that used to frustrate us and bother us when they happen now, we don't react the same way. Um, that shows that God is giving us victory over those things. Um, but we can forgive people that we, we promised we would never forgive that person. Um, that shows that God has given us victory. Um, as we talked about earlier, when we're able to have a testimony about the things we've gone through, the things we've experienced, the things that God has done, um, that's a victory because the Bible says in Revelations 12, 11, that they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. So just the fact that we were able to say, hey, I, I, I used to experience this. I used to do this. I used to go here. But God has delivered me. That's something that shows that we've experienced victory. Um, but then. Not only does God give us victory uh, through his covenant, God also fulfills his promises. Um, and if you read the book of Joshua, there's promise after promise that God fulfills, um, that he would be their God, that, he would, that they would be his people, that he would keep them um, safe, that no enemies would come against them, that they would have success, that they would inherit, inhabit and possess the lands. God, God gives them all of these promises, um, even before they came into the, the land of, of promise, even before they... Um, walked into the promised land, God had already made these promises for them. Um, but but here's the problem. These, these promises, some of them had to wait over 45 years for them to experience. Um, and it wasn't because God uh, was, was lacking on what he said. It wasn't because God overpromised and he was like, oh, now I got to find a place to put all these people. Um, it was because of their own disobedience. Uh, it was because of their own doubt and their own fear and their own... Um, not wanting to leave their places of comfort. Um, and sometimes for us, we delay the promises that God has given us because of our disobedience, because of our fear, because of our doubt, because of our insecurities. Uh, God, this is a new place. I don't know how it's going to work out. God, I don't have all the details. So I'm going to wait. I'm not going to go yet because you haven't shown me everything I need to know. Um, that's what happened to them. They, they, they had to wait 40, some, some, some of them waited over 45 years to experience what should have taken them 11 days to, to encounter. Um, but the good news about that is God still kept his word. God answered all, God fulfilled all the promises that he said he would do. Um, 
God, he tells them, he says, I will not abandon you. Um, in, in Joshua 1, 5, he says, I will give them a place of rest. Um, part, of, part of this whole experience that God brought them to the promised land for was to experience rest, um, where they wouldn't be slaves anymore, where they wouldn't be burdened anymore, where they wouldn't be um, owned by someone else and, and working the hours that they said. Uh, this, this was this was a big part of what God wanted. He wanted them to have rest uh, and not just physical rest, but spiritual rest. He wanted them to be able to to fellowship with him um, because when when we're in fellowship with God, we experience a peace and a rest that we don't get without him. Um, God wanted them to have that. Um, he makes these promises to them. And yet. They still had doubts. They still had um, struggles with with believing that God would fulfill the things that he said. Um, and if we're honest, sometimes we doubt the promises that God has given us. Um, so how do I how do I know if, if these promises are taking place in my life? Um, I would say, first, we have to focus on what God says and not what we see. Um, the children of Israel, they had the promises of God written down. Uh, like they knew it was chronicled what God had told Moses, uh, what was going to happen, like where they were going to be. Um, but they they still didn't trust God. They still were like, well, you know, it was better back in Egypt. You know, at least we had our onions and, and garlic and leeks. Uh, I mean, you know, we were slaves, but, you know, we had a house and we had a place to stay. You know, it wasn't that bad. You know, this is the same people that had been crying out for hundreds of years. Um, but I, I believe that was because they were looking at their situation currently and not the word that God had promised them. Um, so we have to we have to look at what what God has said and not what we see. Um, but also being thankful helps us to remember God's promises. Um, when we take time to say, God, thank you for delivering us out of Egypt. God, thank you for providing for us in the promised land. God, thank you for protecting us from our enemies. God, thank you for providing for our children. Um, then it helps us to remember, hey, you know what? God did do that. God did deliver in that situation. God did heal in that season. Um, and so when we take the time and remember to be thankful, it helps us to re be reminded of the promises that God has given us. Um, <clears throat> so it's important for us to know that um, sometimes our promises may take longer than we want it. Sometimes our promises may not happen when we think they should happen. Um, but if God has promised you something, I, I don't I'm not saying like the name it and claim it. You know, I, I'm supposed to have this house. I'm supposed to be a millionaire by this age. Um, if God has promised it to you, um, it will be confirmed in his word and he will also confirm it through his Holy Spirit. Um, if he's promised you something, stand on that. It may take you. Five, 10, 40 years to experience whatever God has promised you. But if he's promised it to you, he's not going to go back on his word. And we can we can hold on to that when it's hard, when it doesn't look like it's going to work out. Um, there was a long time I didn't think I was ever going to have a house. Um, I was tired of renting, uh, paying more than I should. The rent going up every year, um, dealing with issues of getting stuff fixed. And now God has given me a house. Um, God has provided for my family. Um, and, and he's done so many other things that I never, you know, was always quite sure how it would work out. Uh, but he's kept his word. He's never I've never had a situation where God promised me something and it didn't work out. I had to wait sometimes. Sometimes it was my own fault. But God always came through and he kept his word. Um, 
not only does that does God fulfill his promises, um, the last part is, is, is really important. God requires us to fully commit to him. Um, the last two chapters, um, Joshua is, is an old man. He's on his way out. Um, and he takes the time to remind the children of Israel, hey, um, 20, verse, in chapter 23, verse 6, he says, so be very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. Do not deviate from it, turning either to the right or to the left. Uh, the old people used to say, don't go another further. <laughs> they, what, what he was saying was, hey, you've been instructed, you've been trained, you've been shown the path that God wants for you and to stay on that path. Um, and that's what God wants for us. Um, he, he's made a covenant with us. He's kept his end of the covenant. And if we are be if we are to be in covenant with him, he wants us to keep our end of that as well. Um, so does that mean we're going to be perfect at it? No. Um, are we going to mess up sometimes? Yes. Are we going to stray away from the path that God's called us to? Yes. Um, but we shouldn't stay there. We should always be trying to get back onto the path that God wants for us um, to be committed like he's been committed to us. Um, so you might say, well, what's what's the need for me to commit? Like what's 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 in it for me if I do or if I don't? Um, verse verse 12 and 13 of that same chapter, he says, if you turn away from him and cling to the customs of the survivors of these nations remaining among you, so there's still some people that, that were remaining from the ones who had been wiped out. <clears throat> verse 13, he says, then know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive them out of your land. Instead, they will be a snare and a trap to you, a whip for your backs and thorny brambles for your eyes. And you will vanish from this good land the Lord your God has given you. So basically, God is saying, if, if you want the world so much, eventually he's just going to let us have it. Eventually, he's going to turn us to our desires, our temptations, uh, the things of the world. And he says they're going to ultimately destroy us. Um, so so basically, our life and our works are going to all be wiped away uh, because we're not we're not choosing to live a committed life to him. Um, but it also talked about in chapter one that if we choose to commit to God, if we choose to follow his path, that we would have success. <clears throat> so um, the opposite of that is if we choose not to have God, if we choose not to follow him, um, whatever we accomplish in life, it won't be success according to what God would have wanted for us. Um, but 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 the, the biggest thing, is, I think, is if we're not living a committed life to God, we miss out on being a part of the great work that he does in this earth. Um, we, we, we've talked about the, the title of this series being from Genesis to Revelation, God at work. Um, God has been working throughout the beginning of history, um, throughout the Bible, using different people, uh, regular, ordinary people like you and I, um, just like Joshua was, just like Moses was. Um, but he used them to do great things to build his kingdom, to spread his message, to to let people know the kind of work he was doing, the who he was, uh, what he wanted for their lives. Um, and it would be a tragedy for us to have God, to have Jesus die for us on the cross, um, go through all of that. And then we choose not to be a part of that great work that that God made available for us. Um, so. What does it look like to be committed? Um, this this book of Joshua it talks about that. Um, it talks about in verse twenty in chapter twenty four, fearing the Lord. 
uh, which means God is the one who's in control. Like I'm, I'm not going to do certain things because I know I, I fear the consequences. Um, it talks about serving him, um, meaning I'm going to do his will and not my will. <clears throat> it talks about being sincere and honest in our commitment to him. Um, not just lip service, not just doing what's socially acceptable, um, not just being one way in public, but God says, hey, are you going to really sincerely, honestly commit to me like I am to you? Um, but then Joshua Joshua makes this claim in, in, in verse 15 of chapter 24. He says, choose this day who you will serve. And, and the biggest thing I got from that is it's going to be a daily choice for us of who we serve. Every decision we're faced with on a daily basis, sometimes on a moment by moment basis, is going to show us who we're choosing to serve. Am I serving myself or am I serving God? Am I serving my flesh or am I serving the spirit? Am I going after my desires and my wants or am I going after what God wants for my life? Uh, am I going to cut corners and be lazy or am I going to honor God and all I do? Uh, am I going to watch what I say or listen to um, or am I going to do whatever I think is entertaining or fun in the moment? Uh, how am I going to spend my money, my free time? Um, when I make excuses about not spending time with God, uh, every day we're going to face a choice or, or a, cho a multiple of choices of who we will choose to serve. <clears throat> um, and then I think the biggest thing for us is um, just knowing how to start if we're not committed to God. Um, I would say start today. Um, the scripture talks about meditating on his word, studying his word um, day and night. It talked about um, clinging to the word and, and not letting it go. Um, but also I think the example we can take from the Israelites is what helps us to also stay committed to God is being in the community of other believers. Um, if you read in this chapter, in this book of, of Joshua, they all publicly declared that they were going to follow the Lord. And they said, if any of us stray away from this, they said, like, we, we will face the consequences for that. So it's important to be in a community of other believers, but also to do that. like the Israelites, like the Israelites, we have to be submitted to godly leadership like they were with Joshua. Um, and then I would say we shouldn't wait on the feeling of like, hey, when I feel like I should commit, then I will. I think we need to build habits of consistency and then the feeling will come after that. Um, and then lastly, they talked about removing the idols, removing the things from our lives that will compete with God, the things that will contradict with what the word of God says we should do or how we should live. So Joshua spends all this time trying to lead the people to the promised land, lead them to a place where they would have rest, where they would be able to worship God. And Jesus is doing the same thing. Jesus is trying to lead us to a place of rest. Um, Jesus is trying to lead us to the promised land. Um, and the great thing about God's kingdom is that we get to experience both presently and eternally. We get to experience peace today. We get to experience God's presence today. We get to experience rest today. We don't have to wait until we die to have rest. We'll have ultimate rest when we die, but we can experience all the things of God's kingdom today. And that's that's the whole purpose of, of the book of the Bible is to lead us 
back into a relationship with God, to, to, to put us back into the purpose that we were created for, which was to glorify him. So that that's what it's been about from the beginning. And it's important that we understand that God wants a covenant with each and every person in humanity. Uh, and so it's up to us whether or not we choose to take that commitment or to reject it. Let us pray. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being committed to us when we're not always committed back. Um, Lord, forgive us where we fall short. And um, Lord, I pray that you would renew in us a desire to be committed to you. Um, thank you for your plan for our lives. And the Lord, I pray that our lives would bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.